0: The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to twoheadednerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hi, this is Sam Levine,
1: guest star on a magical episode of That's So Raven, and you're listening to the Two Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt, who I haven't met, but I assume are
0: gigantic nerds. Enjoy. Down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the 4th of July episode of THN, number 215, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, July 1st. My name is Matt Baum. That's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not firing artillery shells from the crotch of my Captain America costume, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog from wordpoint.com. That is a visual. Tell you what. And
1: I'm Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not painting myself red, white, and blue and screeching while riding a giant bald eagle... I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee
0: in Omaha, Nebraska. Some American sh- baby. This week, you'll hear reviews of Eight House Arclight, number one, and We Stand on Guard, number one. After that, we're going to review ten more of this week's new comics faster than Hercules can bounce a check during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then, we'll visit the T.H.N. and Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be nursing our burns after a righteous firework display and talking about two of next week's comics. And finally, Joe and I will celebrate the fourth, by counting down our top five favorite comic characters with exploding powers. It's harder than you think to come up with. It was difficult. say <laughs> so it may
1: be a little bit of a stretch.
0: <laughs> but before we blow our fingers off, let's not forget that new comic day was also Canada Day. So let's tip our labats blue to our neighbors in the great white north. And then we'll talk about this week's.
1: Another convention season means another image expo. The publisher took over the Yerba Buena Center. That is uh, Spanish for good Yerba. Yeah, I think that's right. The Yerba <laughs> Buena Center for the Arts in San Francisco on Thursday, where Eric Stevenson and a host of creators spilled the beans on images, upcoming offerings. I feel like they have an expo every three months. There is, There, are, <laughs> right? there have been two expos a year for the last it's couple of years. Listen, there were a lot of announcements, dudes. We
0: can't hit them all. We're, we narrowed it down. We're going to jump right into it. We never claim to be a responsible journalist. No.
1: This is off the cuff, man. We're going to start it off with the Invincible Reboot question mark. The actual, they did actually have a question mark on the slide with the title. Oh, really? It was Invincible Reboot? <laughs> what? Yeah. The Walking Dead editor and Skybound Entertainment's editorial director, Sean Makowitz, announced the forthcoming reboot of Kirkman's long-running superhero series, Invincible. Where was Kirkman? During this announcement. Yeah, no doubt. In this new direction for Invincible, Mark suddenly finds himself without powers, back home, but aware of everything he's lived through. What does he change? Who can he save? And how will he deal with his father now that he knows what's coming? Pretty cool. Uh Sent back in time to, like, relive his own life, but with no powers. Weird. Yeah. Weird. Uh, Invincible reboot kicks off with issue 124, and that comes out on October 21st. Same creative team, Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley with Cliff Rathburn
0: and Jean-Francois Boulot. We talk about Invincible a lot because it's a great book. One of the things that Invincible, that people have trouble with Invincible is there is so much of it. And you'd have to start at the beginning and read all the way through. I'm curious to see if this reboot like or whatever they're going to do is a good jumping on spot for people who've never read it.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because Kirkman is notoriously down on comic books. Company's rebooting. Yeah. And so you
0: know that this is some sort of big twist. I would he's guess. got something planned. I would guess. Huge for if this. He likes comics the old fashioned way. You read one, then you read two, and then you eventually hit 500 or whatever. So I'm and into it, cool, man. That's cool.
1: I love how Kirkman constantly throws these curveballs that shake up the series. You know, it, you're reading it for a while, and then all of a sudden, holy crap, uh, uh his dad has gone off the deep end. Yeah. Spoilers. That it, was 10 years ago. extremely old fashioned. With
0: the way he thinks comics should be made, but not afraid to break all the rules of storytelling whatsoever. Yep. It's awesome. Throwaways. Throwaways a noun. It's Cold War slang for a deniable asset. A disposable assassin meant to die alongside their target. Like me. 1973, Project MK Ultra shuts down for good. It's goal of creating brainwashed assassins and psychic spies unrealized. That's the story the world believes for 30 years. Until Dean Logan, a son of a successful ultra test subject narrowly escapes a team of enhanced operatives sent to kidnap him back into the fold. You get it, right? Basically a super spy that survived the MK Ultra program super, comes out. Super powered assassins into the world. It's going to be, it sounds really interesting. It's a future of superpowered assassins, telepathic intelligent agents and far reaching government toppling conspiracies. There always is written by Caitlin Kittredge with art by Steve Sanders. Why do I know, why do I know Kittredge's name?
1: She wrote Coffin Hill. Ah! Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. And Steve Sanders, I believe he drew Sword from Marvel, which was about Abigail Brand. You know, oh, S period, yeah. O period. Yeah. S word. Yeah. S word. Yes. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I recall. Throwaways. It sounds super fun. Super power cool conspiracy. I'm into it. Cry Havoc. Tell me about it. Cry Havoc is by Six Gun Gorilla writer Simon Spurrier. I love that guy. Uh, they list a bunch of credits, none of which are Six Gun Gorilla, which is a crime. It's almost like they're just like you boom comics you
0: know
1: (laughs) (laughs) they do mention the spire which is just out uh art is by ryan kelly from uh local right ryan kelly drew local he also drew a bunch of northlanders books
0: yep he's great he is great
1: this is gonna have a cool kind of artistic thing where there are three different plot threads and they will all be colored by three different colorists Mm. uh lee lee Loffridge, matt wilson and There's a third one whose name did not make it into the press release. Well, obviously, they're not very important. (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) Somebody who sucks, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Cry Havoc is a journey into war-torn Afghanistan in the company of monsters. A London street musician savaged by a ghostly hound and a terrified prisoner tangled in a folkloric insurrection. Whoa. Folkloric. I did not even know that was a word. Oh, come on. Folkloric.
0: Of or having to do with folklore.
1: Yeah, I got it. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Of pertaining to, pardon me. Cry Havoc features three parallel and interwoven story threads in the life of Lou Canton, an extraordinary woman being consumed by chaos with three different colorists lending their artistic takes in order to define the separate phases of the story. Image says it's best described as Jarhead. Via Pan's
0: Labyrinth. Makes perfect sense to me. Absolutely. It sounds just crazy enough to be a Cy Spurrier book. I love Cy Spurrier, I dude. I do, too. I do, too. It sounds crazy, though.
1: And all the guys involved. Ryan Kelly, I love. All three yeah. colorists I'm a huge yeah. fan of. I, I'm sorry the third name is, is escaping me, and they totally left it out of this it's blurb. Weird. But weird. Yeah, it sounds great.
0: Black Magic, best-selling writer, Greg Rucka, we both love him, and artist Nicola Scott, we, we both love her, too. They team up to conjure an all-new ongoing series in... Black magic set to launch just in time for Halloween. This is a quote from Rucka. I'm calling it witch noir because it's not quite crime and it's not wholly about the supernatural, but the two are somehow dancing together. And when Nicola's art, it turned into a beautiful dance. Indeed. He says he's been waiting six years to share Rowan's story with the world. Yeah, and they've been working on it together For For a long time. Yeah, this has been in the works for a while. Wow. Black Magic follows Rowan Black, robbery homicide detective in the city of Portsmouth, and the latest line of traditional witches who can trace their lineage and memories back to before the Library of Alexandria burned. Rowan has carefully built a wall between her professional life and her faith, but now that barrier is cracking. This is Greg Rucka doing what he does best. Tough heroine cop. This one just happens to be a witch. (laughs) Can I say real quick that... I think it's really cheesy
1: how um, (laughs) TV shows and books work the name of the character into a saying like Rowan Black and the title is Black Magic. Like like if you had a TV show on network television. Like Sherlock,
0: for example. Well, yeah, I mean, that's different, right?
1: But if like if you had a TV show on NBC and it was called Bomb Squad. Yeah. B-A-U-M-S-Q-A-U-A-D.
0: Thank you for spelling squad. Don't do that. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> it it's is cheesy. really cheesy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but. Sounds cool. Greg Rucka, Nicola Scott. Give me win, a break. win, awesome. Yeah. Crosswind is coming from Gail Simone with art by Kat Staggs who does a lot of covers and she does a lot of the uh, digital first stuff like she did covers for Smallville. I think she did interiors for the Smallville comic too. I mean, she's very good uh, at kind of a painted art. I recognize the
0: name. I, I can't say recognize her art, though.
1: Crosswind is the cutting edge story of a suave, sharp hitman from Chicago. <laughs> <It's> just suave. <laughs> and a seemingly unremarkable housewife from Seattle. It's not
0: the story of Rico Suave.
1: <laughs> it should be. And how they accidentally end up switching lives. Oh, that's right. This is the one where it's like Freaky Friday. But the housewife ends up in the body of a hitman. Whoa! It sounds great. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, It's a suspense fantasy full of sex, violence, and the blackest of humor. Blah, blah, blah. Simone assured fans, this is the comic that might make Dr. Wortham, that's Frederick Wortham, author of Seduction of the Innocent, the guy that almost ruined comics forever, Whoa! come back from the dead and try to ban comics again. Sounds
0: awesome. I'm into it and body switching. That used to be a Hollywood staple, man. I really want. I really want to enjoy Gail Simone again. I do too. Let's do it. I'm with you, Keep and it. I hope I can. This sounds great. It's sad. The goddamned Southern Bastards writer, Jason Aaron. I'm in. And, uh, yeah, like done. <laughs> An artist, R.M. Guerra of Scout and Colorist. ooh, I'm not sure. Uh, Julia, Julia, Julia. I'm gonna say Julia. It's spelled G-I-U-L-I-A. Julia, if you're listening, correct me. Julia Brusco turned their attention to dot 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 the Bible in <laughs> the goddamned before the great flood the world is filled with violence and wickedness in just a couple thousand years humanity has gone from paradise to depravity and ruin God is beginning to seriously regret ever having created man in the first place ho, 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 ho. This is going to be mean and nasty and it's probably going to offend some religious people too.
1: Uh, Jason Aaron, <laughs> Jason Aaron said something like um. This is probably the book. If I'm destined for hell, this is probably the book that's going to
0: get me there. This is quote. It's part caveman adventure story, part stark and brutal western. Yeah, it's (laughs) cavemen versus dinosaurs. And did I mention there are dinosaurs? (laughs) Imagine if Quentin Tarantino was hired to direct the movie version of the Book of Genesis. Pretty much what we're aiming for. (laughs) Can't wait. Wow. I, you know, wow. Rob, Rob Liefeld this is just, already my best new series.
1: <laughs> Rob Liefeld just launched that Bible book, the covenant. Oh, I man. bet he's just kicking himself. <laughs> uh, they also announced that they're doing a deluxe hardcover reprint of the other side, which was a vertigo series by Jason Aaron and Cameron Stewart. It was great. Thumbs
0: up for that. It was great.
1: Heartless by Warren Ellis with art by Tula Lote. They are the creative team of Supreme Blue Rose, if I you've don't forgotten. I
0: she's allowed to work with anyone else. I don't yeah, know. That's
1: fine. This is a modern folktale about love, revenge, and the deadly grip of the supernatural. A female musician returns to northern England where her family owned a little cottage in the middle of a forest. She wrote her first album there, and she's, quote,
0: going back to the countryside as musicians used to. We, we call it woodshedding here in the States. Is that what we call yeah, it? you go out to the woodshed and you write your record. All right. But the forest
1: doesn't want her there. She's returning to face her demons, one in particular, and put herself back together. But the forest remembers what she did, and the devil wants his due.
0: <laughs>
1: Ellis, <What>? yeah. <laughs> Ellis said of the project, quote, "I wrote this for Tula, and it's full of all the stuff we love, the spooky stories, the landscape, the folklore, and
0: the things that haunt us." In. Whatever, man. Warren Ellis, I'm into it. Huck, best-selling writer Mark Miller. Kingsman, the Secret Service. You know what he did. Come in, give me a break. We'll team up with artist Raphael Albuquerque of American Vampire fame for an all new project to be titled "Huck." Miller said of the project, "All the best old comics were about people you didn't expect becoming empowered. Peter Parker wasn't a classic hero. He was a lonely teenager. Matt Murdock was blind. Tony Stark had a heart condition, and he was drunk. Doctor Donald Blake couldn't walk without a stick." So we want to do something incredibly sweet about a small town guy with learning difficulties who could do all these amazing things. He's the purest, most decent character you've ever seen in a comic book. A big guy who just wants to help people and does it in secret so nobody even knows he exists. Feel good comic, which is what we've come to expect from Malar.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't trust anything that he's saying.
0: A Frank Capra superhero story, I guess, about a small town and a close-knit community and an amazing guy. They just all want to shelter from the outside world. He's Captain America meets Forrest Gump. Okay, I'm glad he made that comparison because that's exactly what I was thinking. I honestly think they're going to do exactly what they're saying just to show you that Mark Millar or Miller or however you want to say his name can do it anything he wants. I really do. I think that guy can do anything he wants. I'll check it out, man. I love him. I'll check it out. I unapologetically I, love the guy. I love Raphael Albuquerque.
1: Oh, so oh, absolutely. I'm on board to at least check it out. Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martins' The Private Eye is coming to image in a deluxe hardcover, which is amazing. We talked about that book a lot last year, and it's
0: winning all sorts of awards, and it deservedly so. If you're allergic to digital comics, this is your way to read it. Boom.
1: This will be out in November 2015, and the way that they got this printed is that Vaughn struck a deal with Robert Kirkman, and so Brian K. Vaughn and Margaret Martin are going to do an original Walking Dead story. This is how this came to be? Yes. They made made this
0: unholy pact. Like, if you print the private eye, I'll write a Walking Dead story. They're going to do
1: a Walking Dead story. I presumably set in the walking dead continuity. It's a miniseries, right? Oh, I've heard different things. I've heard one shot. I've heard miniseries. I'm not sure what it is, but it will be hosted on the panel syndicate website in the same DRM free pay what you want model as the private eye. That's so cool. Which is
0: huge news. Brian K Vaughn and Marcos Martin doing the walking dead is a big deal. I also heard prequel to the new spinoff series, but I don't know if that's true. The show you mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's I don't true. care about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it. Uh, but I will absolutely buy a Private Eye hardcover. Totally. Snot Girl. New York Times bestselling writer Brian Lee O'Malley. You know him. You love him. Teams up with artist Leslie Hung and colorist Mickey Quinn. Yeah, 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 yeah. For Snot Girl, a dark comedy set in the world of fashion bloggers. Snot Girl is funny. My favorite setting. <laughs> absolutely. This is an O'Malley quote. Snot Girl is funny and fucked up. It's full of fascinating characters you'll love to hate. It's about Lottie. A huge success. She's blog famous. Her online persona is flawless and fun, but her real life is filled with woes. She has terrible allergies. She just got dumped and her blogger friends don't understand her. Things turn around when Lottie instantly clicks with Caroline, a new girl on the scene. But can she turn chemistry into friendship or will she ruin everything? Hung added, it's my first ongoing series, so I'm really excited. Snack Girl is going to be the best comic ever if we don't die making it. I was a little upset O'Malley's not drawing it. But whatever. I'm sure if he picked her to work with, she's going to be awesome. And we love the way Brian O'Malley writes these stories. He's really good with snarky characters. And fashion bloggers are some of the snarkiest. So
1: I'm, I'm kind of into seeing what he can do just as a writer yeah. for, for a different artist. It'll and, be nice to see something differently. And if it more Brian O'Malley, I'll take it. Something different
0: visually. he's yeah. notoriously kind of slow.
1: Well, he doesn't put out a lot of projects. No, that's he true. doesn't. And I want more. Nearing the finish line, we've got the 1% written... Drawn, directed. Wait, hold on. Critically acclaimed
0: writer slash artist slash director. Director? Question mark. Kare Kyle Andrews. I'm getting sick of this direction in comics and season in comics. Like, I I'm uh, like. Sick of I'm, this fi-
1: this sh- I'm fine with doing seasons. Like, I'm okay
0: with like when you say like Buffy season, whatever, because they're going from the TV show.
1: Got that. This is a whole separate debate, right? But if comics want to adopt a season, a seasonal mentality like TV shows. So not to worry about the whole number ones and constant relaunches, whatever. But <laughs> what is Kari? <laughs> I, all I'm asking is what is Kari Andrews, a director of the head? And what, it, and mm-hmm. did it really give him critical acclaim? Regardless, he's an amazing artist and he's doing the 1%, his very first creator owned comic. In the 1%, they own more than half the world, and Renato Jones is going to even the score 1% at a time. Quote, creator-owned comics have always been part of the plan, said Andrews. I can't believe I've waited so long to make the leap. I am hungry, I am angry, and I am throwing everything I have into this series, a dark neo-noir
0: tribute, to focus all of my rage and revenge. Finally! Oh no, this is you. It's me. Ringside! It's an ongoing drama written by, they call it a drama, by the way. Written by Joe Keating, who we both really like, with art by Nick Barber. Nick Barber, help me. I don't know Nick Barber. I know the name, but this is about professional wrestlers. So, I'm in. Yeah. This is Joe Keating speaking. Ever since I was a kid, I've been caught up in the mythology professional wrestling sells us. These larger-than-life men and women are unstoppable titans locked in a never-ending action-packed drama. However, in time, you learn that they're just as human as anyone else. And that they're very much putting their lives on the line to entertain us. Ringside starts with three perspectives. A retired veteran forced to fight his greatest battle in the real world. A rookie struggling to get his first shot. And a writer frustrated over lack of control. Something that I'm sure Keating has bumped into. But they're just the beginning. The real violence is outside the ring. This sounds awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I like, like it. Kind of a real behind world the scenes, wrestling like- soap opera. Awesome. I'm into it. Totally awesome. And why someone hasn't made like a TV show. This is, I'd like to see Aaron Sorkin's next project, bring this to the screen. (laughs) Sure. Why not?
1: Image announced way more than we have time to go over on this show. So we narrowed it down to the titles we're most excited for. mm -hmm. Matt, I think these all sound pretty decent. I'm at least curious about checking them out.
0: The image expo is completely wacky. They don't care about what's going to sell or what's not going to sell. They care about good stories. And they're just going to throw it all out there. You guys, please check all these out. They sound amazing. Absolutely. I posted all of the image announcements in the
1: news section of the THN forums. It's there right now. I did it yesterday. There you go. Head over there.
0: Let us know what you're excited about. It's a lot of stuff, man. It is a lot of stuff. Let's have some conversations. The Marvel relaunch finally stood revealed this week as the publisher released their all-new, all-different, all-Marvel, all-preview magazine to comic shops, and news sites. Most of the news gave nothing more than a promo image and a tagline to run with, meaning that we still have some waiting to do before we find out exactly what is going on in the post-Secret Wars Marvel Universe. However, that didn't stop writer Dan Slott from giving MTV News a scoop about the new Amazing Spider-Man featuring a major status quo shift for Peter Parker. This October, Peter's getting a new costume, a new global perspective... And I love this—a new Spider-Mobile. <laughs> the time is now. <laughs> Following Secret Wars and an eight-month time jump, Spider-Man is now a globe-spanning entrepreneur and inventor in the vein of Tony Stark. As Parker Industries goes worldwide, this new series continues Slot's tenure as writer and features art by Giuseppe Comunicoli. Peter will sport a tweaked version of his classic red and blue suit, designed by Alex Ross. Speaking to MTV, Slot said. Peter Parker has stepped up. He's grown. He's become the Peter Parker. We've always hoped he was going to be this company with Peter's inventions and Peter's gumption has gone to new heights in an homage to classic Iron Man comics and to explain his sudden appearances around the globe. Spider-Man will serve as Peter (laughs) Parker. This is great. Spider-Man will serve as Peter Parker's bodyguard in the new series. (laughs) Now that Peter's an international icon, Spidey is everywhere. And so his logo is on shirts, posters, toys, games, and more all over the world. As for the new costume, the new Ross designed suit is packed full of tech secrets. The things this suit will be able to do and innovations that Peter Parker has put into it will be astounding. Communicoli designed the new Spider-Mobile, which makes its debut in the very first issue. Slot continued: quote, he's operating with Parker Industries in not just New York, but also Shanghai and San Francisco and London. So, He's going to be a far more global Spider-Man. And with that is going to come all new global threats. And so the dude needs a car. Of course. Things that will really test Spider-Man like never before. Spidey's new global scale means he's taking on new enemies, but he won't be tackling them alone. So the Spider-Mobile gets a two-seater. Whoa! Sidekick! <laughs> <laughs> this is nuts! Speaking about the difference between amazing and the recently announced Miles Morales solo title, Slot said, quote, what you're going to get from Miles is the classic Spider-Man, a teenager in high school having problems, trying to deal with things. And when you're reading Peter Parker, amazing Spider-Man, you're going to get the Spider-Man you've been reading about since 1962, going to all new levels. Can he do the street stuff? Sure. But he can do it times 10. It's everything you know, everything you care about, amped up to a level you've never seen before. It's not just this guy is Spider-Man or that guy is Spider-Man. Peter Parker is isn't just the greatest Spider-Man. We're out to make him the world's greatest superhero. This is nuts. (laughs) It's pretty nuts. (laughs) It's pretty nuts, man. It is nuts. You can tell that Slot had so much fun with the superior Spider-Man that he wants to do it to Peter now. He wants to give him, he wants to give him like a team. He wants to give him an Iron Man suit. He wants to make him famous baby <laughs> I'm totally into it slot has done a really great job
1: kind of taking Peter through these you know peaks and valleys that that dip up to these crazy heights and then dip back down to a more normal status quo that that right. people are comfortable with and it's not about necessarily permanently changing the character for good. It's about exploring a different path for a while. Yes. And seeing how it fits and seeing what kind of fun can come out and of it.
0: Doing stuff with Spider-Man that we've never seen done before. Just saying, look, can we put Spider-Man in a Tony Stark story? Sure. Why not? Let's go for it. You know, and it, great. I love it. I, I We both got so sick of the, oh, Peter Parker can't pay his bills. Poor dumb Parker luck. And, you know, and this at least we're doing something you're breaking the spidey rules and slot is so good at it so good at it. i'm excited for this i don't care if anyone ever writes spider-man again <laughs> <laughs> i love the guy the secret of my success, living, hours that is the big news for this week you'd like to discuss these stories and all the other crap we missed because we had no time but to just ramble on and on and on about all these damn Image Comics. You can hit us up in the THN forums, where Joe has been posting blog updates of his progress restoring the original spider buggy he bought off Craigslist for way too much money. It's vintage. Come on. Every Sunday, my spider gearhead buddy, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question, what are your first
1: impressions of all new, all different Marvel so far? We didn't really get into it in the news story other than Spider-Man, but you know where to find the information. You've got the little catalog. It's You've been to Newsarama. It's all out there. What has got you excited or worried? Are you mad that we're getting yet another line-wide relaunch? Let's talk it out, man. Let's feel it. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, July 10th. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message using our Skype handle, a nerd all one word. Or, the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. If you're feeling fancy, you can send an mp3 to nerd at gmail.com. I know this is a big question. Keep it as short as you can. Be concise. We got a lot of people that want to share their opinions with each other.
0: Two minutes, nerds. Two
1: minutes. If you need more time, get to the THN forums. You've got all the time in the world. There you go. Infinite text space. It's incredible. And then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN answer of the week podcast. It's review time on
0: THN where Joe and I pack two of this week's new comics full of fireworks and then blow them sky high. Joey, what are you reviewing this week? This week
1: I read We Stand on Guard number one from Image Comics written by Brian K. Vaughn with art by Steve Scroachy. I'm, I'm going to say Scroachy. I'm going Scroach. It was 40 pages for two ninety nine. 100 years from now, a heroic band of Canadian civilians must defend their homeland from invasion by the United States of America! Just in time for the 4th of July. There you go. (laughs) Brian K. Vaughn is back with the Canadian Red Dawn, and he's brought artist Steve Skrosch back from Hollywood Exile. Vaughn and Skrosch introduce us to Amber, a young girl whose family is killed in the U.S.'s initial attack on Canada. Flash forward 12 years, and Amber is wandering the Northwest Territories struggling to survive, where she runs into the 2-4, a squad of well-armed rebels. We Stand on Guard is full of Vaughn's trademark dialogue and the sudden, tragically violent twists the writer is known for. This is a large cast, and the book is full of action, so there isn't really any time to get to know the characters too well. But Vaughn is able to give readers a good sense of the history of this world, and I'm confident that the more intimate character detail will come with time. Now, I have looked at the art over and over, and while Steve Skros is clearly talented and the work is very detailed, there seemed to be something off about the visuals. There's a stiffness to the characters, and at times it seems like Skros is trying too hard for realism, and I'm just comparing it to his past work on books like Wolverine and Spider-Man when he did those crazy, wolvie-fighting ninjas and Spider-Man doing backflips over Electro. That stuff was super exaggerated, and I know that this is a different kind of story, this is a different tone, but there's just something kind of clunky about his character work. It's like the characters are just being posed, waiting for an actor to bring the implied action to life on the big screen, like it's literally a storyboard, and he's just drawing Tom Cruise with his hand outstretched, yelling at the about the giant robot, and then the Wachowskis will film Tom Cruise doing some sort of action. Okay, I'll give you that. On the other hand, the design work is very impressive. And as an accomplished storyboard artist, Scross is a master of pacing and layouts. The book is beautiful, but when I focus on certain aspects, the art just feels a little off. I think that this comic is going to get a lot of unfair comparison to Saga. That book just melted everyone's minds when it came out. And I don't think we stand on guard will. That doesn't mean it isn't absolutely worthwhile. It's just not as fully realized right off the bat, it's not necessarily as flashy or as outrageous, and there's still a lot of character building to be done. So it may take a little time to really hit its stride. These creators have definitely earned a little bit of trust, and I am looking forward to seeing how the story develops. I'm I'm giving it a buy it. I know it seemed like I was a bit down on it. It did, but the talent is obvious when you look at it. It's just there's a li- there's just something a little bit off about it to me in terms of the
0: art. I was thrilled to have. It's gross back. And I liked what I saw here. It's not exactly the art that I remember. It's very much more storyboarded. And I think that has to do with his time in Hollywood. Yeah. But I definitely think he's improved as an artist since we saw him last. And I thought there was some fantastic work here. The opening scene where we see the bombs dropping and everything on Canada. We see the little girl's family just annihilated and dad laying there in pieces talking to the sister. And man... There was some really, really cool stuff. I like the design of the robots. They look very military, Mm -hmm. not like manga-esque, if you will, which is where a lot of people go with robot design, like straight to Japan. This would look more U.S. military to me. And I like the story. It felt very Red Dawn. I like how it, it hit the ground running. We've got a ragtag group of fighters. And I think that she's trying to write a different type of story here. And I agree that I think it will be compared to Saga, whether they like it or not, even though this is a totally different book. Right. with a totally different feel I completely enjoyed it it was fun it was quick there was no BS I love the ragtag group of fighters mm. I love their Canadian and this is a different kind of Brian K Vaughn story I've never read anything like this from him props to him for stepping outside of his comfort zone and doing something different huge buy it from me Matt what did you review this week? I read Light number one this is the beginning of the Eight house project from Image written and drawn by Brandon Graham and Marion Churchland With 32 pages for $2.99. It's written by Brandon Graham, drawn by Marian Church.
1: No, they both have art credits. Oh, that's because he has a one-page thing in the very back.
0: Here's your solicit. A lady of the Blood House has had her mind trapped in a strange alien root body. She's hiding on the outskirts of her kingdom until she learns that an alien monster pretending to be her has returned. The first issue of a shared fantasy universe. Sharp, genderqueer nights. Blood magic. Music. Dancing. And A goose. Brandon Graham is a creator. Yeah, there was a goose, eh? There was a goose. Confirmed. Brandon Graham is a creator that doesn't much care for the big beat em up slam bang action that seems to dominate comic book shelves. If you read his Prophet series at Image, you already know about his long form storytelling and how it doesn't look to build characterization, but rather build a world around his characters, sometimes with almost a complete lack of dialogue. Here, Graham teams up with up-and-comer Marion Churchland to introduce readers to the world of Eight House, a massive world-building story that's going to run through several different comics by several different creators. In this story, we meet Sir Arclight, an androgynous knight guiding a royal lady trapped in the body of some type of tree creature through the borderlands of their kingdom. Rather than setting up the universe with long info dumps and exposition, Graham and Churchland drop us straight into this beautiful landscape. I don't know much of Churchland's art. She is a relative newcomer. She's done some Elephant Man. We looked her up. She did a
1: graphic novel in 2009. A beast. Called Beast. She's done a couple of things here and
0: there. Her work is stunning. She's an illustrator beautiful. and very talented. Yes, and very much an illustrator. Not so much, sort of like we were just talking about with Steve Skrost storyboarding. She very much sets up background and characters in the foreground, and it feels like an open world. She's not drawing hardcore action by any means, but what she does draw is beautiful. Where Arclight lacks in character building it more than makes up in the amazing art and color, the landscapes alone are just stunning, and the soft color work made settings like the hollow tree where Arclight and the tree lady perform blood magic seem as cool and musty as any fantasy film scene Neither of these creators are interested in handholding here, and they're setting up the world around these characters very gently. This is going to be a beautiful, slow-burn story that admittedly will probably present itself better in collected form. But I really enjoyed this, and while it did end rather abruptly, I have to wonder if this is just another extension of Graham's almost experimental storytelling style. I've got to give this a buy-it, because there's just nothing else that looks or feels like this on the stands. Yeah. I I love they're just not paying attention to con- like conventional comics as we know them. Sure. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. And like you
1: said, there is no hand-holding here. Like until you read the solicit, which I had not read in advance, there's very little in that paragraph. Yeah. That is conveyed in the actual telling of the story. It's just like boom, here's how it is. This lady is a tree. This other person is helping her and there's a goose.
0: Right. And you're in a <laughs> land of castles and magic. Yeah,
1: there's magic. And there's some probably technology. some sci-fi. Yeah. And right. And there's runes. And all of this stuff about a, a pretender stealing her body and blah, blah, blah. Very barely. At touched the, on. At, at the most, yeah. it is glanced
0: upon. Barely touched on.
1: And they just expect you to go with it. And I did. There's no handholding. But it's also, it's not in a in a way like, you have picked up Secret Wars number four of eight. Right, right. And you
0: have no idea what the f*** is going on because you didn't read one through three or the last two years of Avengers. No, Graham trusts the reader to be intelligent enough to pick up on the little things that are slowly going to develop this world. As opposed to, in a world where genderqueer knights lead tree ladies through strange, you know, like fantastic backgrounds.
1: <laughs> I really enjoyed it. The yeah. art is just gorgeous and there is a one page we touched on it there there was a one page i guess it's a comic uh by brandon graham where everything is written in this made-up alien language yeah And they give you the key to translate it. I was too lazy to do so.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to, but Brian Graham is a crazy person. But (laughs) too much time. That thing's got got like
1: whole conversations written in this weird language. Yeah. If you translated it, let us know, because I kind of want to know what it's all about, but I don't want to do the work. I bet they reveal a lot. (laughs) He just wants you to work for it. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, it was a ton of fun, and I'm very curious to see this world get built. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it
0: pieces together with the other eight house books as they come out. Yeah. I'm more curious to see what the next eight house book is and how it works with this. I think I'm even more curious for that.
1: This seems like a, this is a much more intellectual level of sci-fi fantasy.
0: Oh yeah. Like Dune-esque, you know, as opposed to there's laser guns. I think Dune is a really good comparison. Like the way that Frank Herbert tells that story, like You slowly waded into the world of Dune You're like when you got in that book. And when you first start, you're just like, What is happening? (laughs) I am into it.
1: Huge buy it from
0: me, too. This was great. So that is a double buy it for We Stand on Guard and a double buy for 8-House Arclight. As always, we want to know what you red geese and Canadian freedom fighters thought of these comics. So invade the borders of the THN forums with your opinions of these comics that you can find by clicking the forum button over at Two-Headed Nerd.
1: Once, it was known as the birthplace of democracy and modern civilization, but Greece has fallen on hard times. It seems the same Greek gods that ushered in a new age of art, culture, and government never taught their people to balance a checkbook. It's tricky. But there's still hope. Hercules himself has agreed to write a $350 billion check to bail out his nation. Little does Herc know, his Avengers salary was cut off years ago and he hasn't held a job since. So join us now as we watch the European Union flush grease down the toilet and possibly collapse into financial anarchy while we review
0: 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! It's like a way less interesting financial Mad Max story.
1: Ludicrous Speed! Go!
0: The Hunter one-shot from Nobrow. Our pals at NoBrow sent me this
1: quirky one-shot by Joe Sparrow from their 17 by 23 line, and it is weird. One arrogant hunter has grown bored of sport. Only the legends of a mythical beast excite him now, but when he goes hunting for the creature he quickly discovers that he is outmatched, because this beast is not any mythical animal but is composed of all of the animals he killed in the past. What? And it is most certainly out for revenge. Ew. Sounds great, right? But it's all done in a weird, wonderful, old-school pixel art style. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> but it's such a weird combination. It's like a fable brought to you by Nintendo. Weird.
0: (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Buy it. Will Eisner's The Spirit, number one from Dynamite. Matt Wagner is the latest writer to take a stab at Eisner's beloved spirit, and he nails it. So much so that it feels like an impression of a comic that's time maybe has come and gone. This wasn't bad, but it was extremely wordy, and it got a little boring in parts. Very solid art by Dan Chicade, who is also doing his best Eisner impersonation. But I just didn't care. This might be lost on me. I can only give it a skim It. It's very well done. It is very well done. If you like the spirit. If you're a fan of classic spirit done in the classic you're style. You're going to love it. Onyx, number one, from IDW.
1: Chris Ryall wanted to write a ROM Space Knight comic so bad that he went out and created his own. What for him. This really does scratch a certain Romish itch. And anytime that Gabriel Rodriguez wants to draw anything at all, I'm into it. Oh, yeah. Don't get any funny ideas. ROM belongs at Marvel. But Onyx number one was a blast.
0: Huge buy it. XO Manowar number 38 from Valiant. I can't stand weddings. Even my own was boring. Receptions, on the other hand, I'll dance my ass off with your aunt. But ironically, it's true. I love wedding issues. Here we see Arik of Dacia marrying his new love, Sana, with guest appearances from Archer and Armstrong, Dr. Mirage, and a horde of other Valiant characters. They all show up for a rare feel-good issue of XO. Every panel is like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, here it comes. Uh Uh-oh, but no, happy ending, and I loved it, huge buy it, it was great The Spire, number one from Boom Six-Gun Gorilla Rider Siceberger returns to
1: Boom with this high-concept sci-fi fantasy murder mystery Set in a society living in a gigantic tiered tower Separated between human and mutated classes Sort
0: of like a ziggurat
1: Sort of like the ziggurat, yeah. <laughs> this was super weird, but a ton of fun, and I loved the art by Jeff Stokely. He's so good. I'm on board for this one. Buy it. Red Skull,
0: number one from Marvel. In Battleworld, the Red Skull is a folk hero to villains that stands against Doom's rule. A team of villains resembling the Thunderbolts have been sent outside the shield wall, led by Bucky Barnes to bring the Red Skull back alive. We're pretty sure this isn't Hitler's Red Skull. And again, I have to ask... Why would Doom create this version? I'm not crazy about the art by Luca Pizzari here either. In the script by Joshua Williams, not Joshua Williamson of Ghosted and Nailbiter. Are fame. you sure? Yeah. Because okay. they had to add a special thing on uh, their Diamonds that says, This is not written by Joshua Williamson. Okay. <laughs> All right. Was fine at best. I'm giving this a skin. Is Magneto in this? Yep. Is Magneto teaming up with the Red Skull? Maybe, sort of. I don't think he's the genocidal Nazi Red Skull. Well, and also in this
1: revised version of history, maybe there is no Judaism? We, I, Or World War II? I don't know. <laughs> this is an odd mashup. Barbed Wire, number one from Dark Horse. I have to imagine that some maniac out there demanded the return of Barbed Wire, but Dark Horse's decision to resurrect the property was baffling. But in all fairness, I sat down and gave Barbed Wire number one a serious read. And you know what? It wasn't bad. I laughed out loud a couple times. Not at the comic. They were actual <laughs> jokes. And the art by Pat Olaf and Tom Nguyen was outstanding. I doubt I'll read more. And the issue has some, of some problems. But I was pleasantly surprised I'm giving it a skim It
0: Should be said, this is the return of Chris Warner. The creator of Barbwire. Creator of Barbwire. I had no idea. There you go. I'm the official barbed wire historian here in the Ziggurat. Secret Wars number one from Marvel. We're halfway through the Secret War and starting to get some answers as to how the hell we got here. Stephen Strange leads a team of heroes from the old Marvel U through Battleworld and sort of kinda explains how it came to be. Marvel may be putting the Fantastic Four on the back burner, but I'm not sure they told writer Jonathan Hickman. I'm still having fun with this story. Esad Rubik's art has never been better, and the last page is one of the coolest Doom moments ever. I really liked it. Buy it. Dr. Doom. Detective Comics number 42 from DC.
1: I decided to jump back into Detective with the soft relaunch, and I'm finding it to be pretty good so far. Sad to hear about Francis Manipal leaving the title, but he's not present on art here, so who cares? (laughs) And Fernando Blanco does a solid job writer brian bucheletto brings the bullock and montoya interplay that's been missing from my bat books for far too long i'm gonna stick around for a while i'm giving it a buyout and i did not
0: know what was going on at all i felt a little off did you read the last one 41 yeah no
1: <laughs> here's your problem oh that you makes picked sense up
0: part two of that of a story makes, <laughs> now suddenly this makes a lot of sense <laughs> Star Wars Princess Leia number five from Marvel. Mark Wade wraps up his Princess Leia story with a bang and shows us that Leia Organa isn't just badass with a blaster. She's one hell of a diplomat and a leader too. This story focuses on Leia trying to reunite the Alderanians after the destruction of the planet, even though not everyone gets along or even respects the princess's royalty. Wade has an amazing grasp on this character and introducing her new partner, Yvonne, was a genius move. This has been the best Star Wars book I have read yet at Marvel. I'm giving this a buy it. Really? Yeah. Princess Leia was awesome. All right. Terry Dodson, by the way, so good here. That is your ludicrous
1: speed round. And is the sound made when a Star Destroyer explodes as seen in this week's Princess Leia number five. But we want to hear from you nerds too, so blow up the internet with your opinions of these comics over at the THN forums in the this week's comics section.
0: Every year on the 4th of July, Joey and I head over to Fighting Americans Lake House, where we drink some beers, the fighting Americans, up some burgers and dogs, and talk about punching Nazis, and of course demonstrate a complete lack of firework safety, while we stare into lit artillery shells, dance in, on, and around sparkling fountains, and let's not forget the M80 Hot Potato Contest. This year was no exception. And Now it's time for Joe and I to retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our buddy Elixir will nurse our burns and mangled fingers back to health. But we discuss two of next week's comics. Joey, your hair is coming back in nicely, but you still don't have any eyebrows. Why don't you talk about your pick for next week?
1: They're useless anyway. He <laughs> just
0: looks surprised, no matter what you're doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My pick for next week is Archie number one from Archie Comics, written by Mark Wade with art by Fiona Staples. Here's your solicit. Comic superstars Mark Wade and Fifi Stapes reimagine an icon. Change is coming to Riverdale in this can't miss
0: kickoff. I honestly had a dream that she asked you not to call her that.
1: <laughs> I really did. If she asks me not to call her that, I'll stop. I
0: drove to better, and she's like, don't do that.
1: <laughs> if, she, if, it gets back to, if it gets back to Fiona Stables that I call her Fifi Stapes, and she doesn't like it, I'll stop. Okay, you I'm go. I'm not saying I want you to go out there and tell her Let's about it. Let's put the call out, internet. <laughs> Familiar faces return in new and unexpected ways in this must-have number one issue, as the new school year approaches, you'd think Archie Andrews would be looking forward to classes and fun, but nothing is as it seems in the little town of Riverdale. But is this a one-off, or a sign of bigger changes awaiting for America's favorite teens and the entire town? Find out in this exciting and remarkable first issue. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that is uh, the end of my we stand on guard. So that's it. There will be no giant <laughs> f-ing robots in Archie. <laughs>
0: Sorry. As about of that. yet. Who knows? I mean that I know of. <laughs> yeah.
1: How can I not
0: pick I the Archie relaunch? I know, I know. Come on, you guys. I'm excited to check it out. We all have to look at it and see what the hell is going on. My pick for next week. Star Trek Green Lantern, number one. It's been a long time in coming. From IDW, written by Mike Johnson with art by Angel Hernandez. Thirty-two pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Two iconic franchises collide for the blockbuster crossover event of twenty fifteen. The crew of the USS Enterprise meets the Green Lantern Corps for the first time in an all-new adventure that spans the cosmos. Don't miss the thrilling first chapter of The Spectrum War, as Kirk and Spock make a most unusual discovery on a lost world, igniting events that will change the fate of empires. Whoa. I I gotta see what happens. That's it. I gotta see what happens. You're only gonna get like this in comics. It never gets old. We all love it. Mike Johnson kicks ass on Star Trek for idw on a regular basis true i'm curious to see what version of the green lantern core we're gonna get who cares yeah i mean who knows who cares i'm in
1: i love intercompany
0: crossovers oh, yeah <laughs> even when they're bad i kind just still like, like i
1: am i get i am so tickled whenever it's like aliens meets predator meets witchblade i want it <laughs> Maybe not the Witchblade Even part. Even when they're terrible, they're fun. Maybe not the Witchblade part. The THN trade of the Week goes to the High Crimes hardcover from Dark Horse Comics written by Christopher Sabella with art by Ibrahim Mustafa. It's 184 pages for 19 Here's the solicit. is cheap. 200 pages? Heck yeah. Damn! Disgraced Olympic snowboarder Zan Jensen runs a sideline business as a high-altitude grave robber when a body is found at the summit of Everest, with a treasure of state secrets under its skin, Zan finds herself in the crosshairs of a government hit squad. As she races to the roof of the world, Zan will navigate bullets and avalanches to find salvation in the deadliest place on Earth. I gotta know why you picked this. I have heard nothing but amazing things about high crimes. It sounds so cheesy.
0: Cheesy? What are you talking about, She's, cheesy? Uh, sh- first of all, she is an extreme athlete. she's an extreme athlete extreme athlete snowboarder obviously these men are extreme athletes like me (laughs) extreme athletes exist just deal
1: with it (laughs) I've heard nothing but great things about high crimes it was published originally in digital form I believe by monkey brain I think that's true it's coming out in a nice hardcover I've met Chris Sabella he's super excited about the project I'm very eager to check it out and guess what we are doing it This month for Take a Look It's in a Book. We gave up on that manga bull. We didn't give up on the manga, (laughs) but the quest for the right manga... It's
0: (laughs) it's difficult. It's It's harder than it sounds. It's sticky.
1: Look, I mean, I appreciate how much you guys love Usagi Yojimbo and Lone Wolf and Cub and all that stuff, but we can't review a 30-year-old manga that's got 30 volumes. We need to jump into something new.
0: not a traditional manga. I'm saying no. Well, manga just means comics. I don't. I don't. The two-headed nerd by no means suggests you get drunk and use fireworks irresponsibly. But if you're going to, make sure you got a friend with healing powers, and feel free to post your third-degree burn photos and what comics you're excited to read next week over at the THM Forum. No! Jesus! I didn't know it was lit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know... God! <laughs> Warn a guy. <laughs>
1: Today is the 4th of July. That is America's Independence Day for our foreign listeners. And Matt and I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate our freedom than by locking ourselves in the ziggurat recording a podcast, and having a taco pizza party. Come on! (laughs) In honor of the holiday and America's inclination toward lighting dangerous explosive devices in our front yards, made in Mexico and China, we're celebrating our top five favorite exploding characters. I love it! Explodos! (laughs) One, two, three, four, five, breakdown, baby.
0: Let's get right into it. What's your number five? Go! Joe Patrick, my number five, goes to a mutant introduced in X-Factor back in the day, She wore ridiculous sunglasses, very Debbie Gibson type hair and tops. Her name was Boom Boom. Heck yeah, Boom Boom's on my list. Boom Boom was found as a mutant on the streets by X-Factor. She sort of joined the new mutants briefly. She was in and out and then kind of forgotten and left aside. And we haven't seen much of her. She popped up not too long ago in the pages of, I want to say X-Force. She was in Next Wave.
1: She was a she big was the Next part Wave. of
0: Next Wave. She was, most recently, she was in that Psy Spurrier X-Force, but not for very long. It kind of dissolved. I miss Boom Boom. She's my number five. Boom Boom is on my list. She M- had the powers to Much like, higher than number she five. made like an energy orb, and then she would like toss like, it. time bombs. And she would say, boom! And it would explode.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they counted down like they were on like four second timers yeah. or something. My number five is a DC character. Probably not originally DC, but whatever. A Golden Age character. You know what? I honestly don't know. I don't know if this is a Golden Age character uh, resurrected for a modern time or if it was a character created in the 70s and 80s and just inserted into the Golden Age. Okay.
0: Regardless, this character is the human bomb. Okay. First appearance, Police Comics, August 1941. Boom. Golden, Golden Age dude. The, the most recent version I read
1: explained his powers like his skin secretes this chemical or whatever. A special
0: explosive chemical it, it, ex- called 27-QRX.
1: It's bad. It's extremely volatile. It's and so the human bomb can just detonate on command, uh, just
0: explode from Na- his own body. Nazi spies invaded his lab, killed his father. He resorted to ingesting the chemical That's to prevent it from falling into origin. their hands. <laughs> yep.
1: And in the modern day, in uh, the Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, Freeman, Freedom Fighters books, Ah, uh, they had really cool stuff like the the modern version of the human bomb. You know, would like you could take like a you bite up a little piece of his fingernail and throw it under a car,
0: and then it would explode the car full of bad guys. That was Andy Franklin was the newest one. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. Human bomb. He's awesome. He's ridiculous. He looks just weird. He's wearing like a hazmat suit or something. Yeah,
0: I love the human he bomb. Shows up, he explodes. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, I. Love it's all right too. there in the name. That is why the human bomb was my number four. Hey. <laughs> Who is your number four, Joe Patrick?
1: All right. Now, I had to stretch a little bit to get some of these. You're going to have to. I get it. But my number four is a villain created by Jack Kirby in the pages of Fantastic Four. Blastar, the living bomber. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Blastar. He's not on my list. Now, Blastar is an alien from the negative zone. Uh, he is a big, dumb oaf that fancies himself a conqueror. And he's constantly getting his butt kicked by whoever happens to wander into the negative zone at the time. Fair enough. The Guardians of the Galaxy, the Fantastic Four, whoever. Blastar, you could argue, he's got energy blast powers. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. To me, it was always like he had shit exploding out from his hands. Constantly. And yeah. I think that's how Kirby intended it. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I totally agree. His name is Blastar.
1: Blastar the Living Bomb
0: Burst. I'm giving it to you. He's got Explodo hands. Right on. Who's your, will you on, number 3 I'm going to number three. My number three goes to Plastique. Plastique, oh yeah, Plastique. The DC character, she was a bad guy. First appeared in Firestorm. Plastique, let me find I want to get there. I had
1: a reprint of Plastique's first appearance. I wanna get at there. the end,
0: she gets naked. Her actual powers. Uh, originally Plastique wore a costume covered with plastic explosives. Yeah. Bad idea. Which she could trigger and detonate manually. She yeah, si- but she was sort of a suicide bomber. Yes. Like she didn't care. She has since gained the ability to project explosive force by touching an object with her fingertips. Ooh. Yeah, Andy. Right? So she was originally a suicide bomber that was going to blow up the New York Herald Express using a set of bombs attached to her costume only to have Firestorm disarm her by vaporizing her clothing. Yeah. Leaving her naked. She was humiliated. She was butt naked. In public while Firestorm took the bombs to explode in a safer area. Later, via genetic engineering, she gained the power to project explosive force outward from her body. She became a love interest of Captain Adam. She married Captain Adam. That is where I met her. I loved that Captain Adam She was in the Suicide Squad, I believe. Yes, yes. Plastique. Ugh. Truly a femme fatale. She's Franche. She is dangerous. <laughs> Who is your number three?
1: Speaking of Franche. Matt Bomb, you're going to hate it. What? But my number three is Gambit. Oh, come on. From the X-Men. Come Look, on. Gambit is sh- You don't like Gambit. Gambit is shitty, and he's stupid, and he's a product of his time. And you like him more than the human bomb. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Gambit. Oh, my God. This is a true fact. I do oh like Gambit. God, I think I think Gambit's powers are cool, and that's that's like ninety percent of his appeal. His powers are awesome. Gambit pick sucks. up everyday objects, charge them full of energy, Stupid throw them and character explode. And he sucks. No, nope. <laughs> I like Gambit. Remy LeBeau, King of the Thieves, for some reason, leader of an underground New Orleans uh,
0: secret society. Yeah, well, you know, he was always stealing stuff. I mean, I guess sort of, maybe. <laughs> I like Gambit, and I don't care who knows it. All right. All right. Who's your number two? My number two goes to a Captain Marvel villain. Uh, Nitro. Yeah, I never really cared about Nitro. I never really cared about Nitro until the New Warriors went to stop him. In Civil War number one, the New Warriors, who, like, had spun out of that, like, really bad yeah, reality storyline where yeah. they were on a reality show, went to take down Nitro. New Warriors performed a videotaped a raid on the house containing Cobalt Man Speed Freak, Cold Heart, and Nitro. who had recently escaped from prison during the Rikers Island incident. The New Warriors attacked each member with Namorita, the submariner's cousin, going after Nitro, slamming him into a school bus. Namorita taunted Nitro until he caused a massive explosion. This explosion killed Namorita, I would argue. She had it coming. Night Thrasher, Microbe, and the supervillains he was with during the raid, along with 60 children in the nearby elementary school and some 600 people in the neighborhood in Stamford, Connecticut, where the fight took place. Yeah, his name Arida was the one that went after him, and he was like, "I'm warning you, I can't control this. I'm all amped up. I'm warning you." And she was like, "Let's go, boosh!" <laughs> Killed a whole bunch of people, and I went, "Wow, that that is an interesting uh, way to use a loser bad guy that I haven't thought about for years." Nitro. Oh, and ESPN is in Bristol, Connecticut, neighboring. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully those guys survived. Nitro. Was that your number two? That was my number two. My number two is Boom Boom. Okay. Because I think she's great. We discussed we discussed Boom Boom already. Yeah. We loved her. Who's your number one? Let's go number one. I'll num- bet we both have the same number one. Do <laughs> You think so? I'll bet we do. My
1: number one is another X character. Yep. Uh somebody that graduated from the new mutants. Yep, we do. To become an X man.
0: That dude is cannonball. Yes, Sam Guthrie. <laughs> because listen. <laughs> number one with a bullet he is definitely an explodo he is he's an explodo he's his powers like, are nothing but controlled explosions. his butt explodes and explodes and explodes and propels him forward and he has a force field that yeah basically yeah the protects bl- him. blast field and he becomes a living cannonball just like punching through with raw explosive force we got in a huge argument with david demarco yeah right Okay, uh, yeah, about whether or
1: not Cannonball has fire powers. during
0: a nerd game. There, we used to call them nerd games. Now no, we call them geek. It's challenges. called a, a geek challenge. It's yes. called a geek challenge. But we used to go nerd game on, and we would all start doing it. Now we call it geek challenge. It was always called the geek challenge. I don't even know where nerd game came from. I don't know. Whatever. Regardless, we were naming pyrokinetics, and he insisted Cannonball is a pyrokinetic, and we both said no. no
1: pyrokinetic
0: means you nope. control fire. Yep, that's not what he does. Just
1: because you light your, just because your butt explodes, and there <laughs> happens to be. Like, if you're standing in the grass, there's a fire left over. Right.
0: Doesn't mean you have fire
1: powers. Right.
0: He farts explosions, blows stuff up with his body. Cannonball. And doesn't get enough play. Cannonball is the best. That is our top five favorite explosive comic characters. We want to hear from you guys. You like explosions. You're Americans. Come on. We all do. Get on the THN forums. Let's hear your top five favorites. Sort of break it it down like this. And that is it for our celebration of America's birthday episode of THN. Any true Patriot nerd worth their salt should subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in while you're there. You should leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, or your little hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential Patriot listeners.
1: Thank you to all of our donors, and if you want to keep us in small American flags and Chinese-made fireworks, you can do so by clicking our patriotic PayPal button at www.thewhittednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you want to sponsor THN, shoot us an email with the
0: subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and our Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. And don't forget to go sign up. For the THN forums, it's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat. You can discuss this week's show, you can ask us to review your self-published comics, you can learn more about all of our segments and how you can be a part of them. Or... You can just rap about
1: comics. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist
0: on Spotify by looking up Matt Baum's Spotify profile. Oh, I might be switching to Apple Music soon. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. See, i I've given it the three-month trial. so We'll see. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the most beloved woman in America. Sonia Manzano who announced her retirement from Sesame Street this week after four and a half decades. How old is she? (laughs) She was 20 when she started so she's only 65. So by my count she's 130 now, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Adios Maria! Eras una hermosa profesora. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics, because your retailer is never going to be able to retire if you don't. So true. (laughs) Ese es el empelon dos cabezas de despedirme.